You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Carr. For those of you that are West Coast sports fans, there is no better place to get all of your Pac-12 conference news than the Locked On Pac-12 podcast hosted by Cindy Robinson. Follow the Locked On Pac-12 podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Wednesday, June 16th, and the recruiting contact period for the class of 2023 opened up yesterday. Gonzaga came in hot and heavy with a bunch of 2023 prospects. So today on the show, I'm going to give you the names of each one uh, of the prospects that Gonzaga's coaching staff has reached out to, or I guess at least the ones that are known by the recruiting experts so far. Later in the show, we're going to talk about Gonzaga baseball, look at the roster heading into the offseason, and then of course, we will finish the show today by revealing the third ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. But as I said today, to start the show, we're going to talk about the class of 2023. The contact period for sophomores who are going to be juniors next season opened at 12.01 a.m. on Tuesday, and coaches are now allowed to travel for in-person evaluations of tournaments uh, starting this weekend after basically having an outrageously long dead period because of the pandemic. And because of that, right now, it's hard to tell where Gonzaga stands with the class of 2022 because they haven't had much of a chance to see many of them play at all or get them on campus. So it's very possible that the 2022 class isn't going to be very big. They may rely on transfers next offseason, but then Gonzaga goes really, really hard in the class of 2023. I should note before this long list uh, that Jeremy Fears is, right now, seems to be the absolute number one target for Gonzaga. He's a 6'1", 6'2", point guard from uh, the Midwest area, and he's got uh, Roger Powell has been on Jeremy Fears for quite a while, and he appears to be the next guard that Gonzaga wants to take over their program after their current crop departs. So my guess, based on uh, kind of the names that have been floating out there, Gonzaga may end up getting, may go heavy on big men recruits in 2022, and then go much harder on a bunch of guards in 2023. With all that said, let's go through the multitude and multitude of names that they reached out to yesterday. The big fish is Omaha Baloo. And this is not the first time we talked about him on this program. Um, he is actually transferring to Mount Verde Academy to play in Florida uh, for his next two seasons. He's ranked number five nationally by 24-7 sports. He's 6'8", he's 200 pounds. He plays as a wing more than anything, and he is an absolute freak of nature. Another top 10 guy, another wing that Gonzaga actually offered yesterday is the only official offer that I saw is J.J. Taylor. And he's 6'8", 190, and he's from Chicago, Illinois. J.J. Taylor is ranked 8th overall in the class of 2023 by 24-7 Sports. So they're going after the two big fish, two top 10 players are both wing, uh, wing type players, which is kind of interesting. And then just a bunch of other players to go through. A lot of these are guards. Jeremiah Johnson is a 6'2 point guard out of Oklahoma. He's ranked 17th in the country. K.J. Lewis is ranked 21 in the country. He's from El Paso, Texas. He's more of a shooting guard. He's 6'4". Mookie Cook, he's from Jefferson, Oregon, which I want to say is where Silas Melson is from. Uh, But he's ranked 12th in the country by 24-7 Sports. He's a 6'7 wing. 
Jacoby Walter, also from Texas. He's ranked 16 overall in the class. He's a shooting guard, 6'5", 180. Bryson Warren from Little Rock, Arkansas, ranked 32 nationally. He's a combo guard, 6'2". Gus Yaldin, he is a 6'8", 240-pound center from the Wisconsin area, and he is ranked 50th overall by 24-7 Sports. Layden Blocker, another point guard, 6'2", from the Kansas area. Uh, he's ranked 57th overall. Makai Johnson, class of 2023 from West Virginia. He's ranked number 72 overall. He's a combo guard, 6'3". Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, uh, which he, they've actually reached out to him before. Uh, I haven't seen his name pop up yesterday, uh, but they had reached out to him prior. He's a point guard. He's six feet tall from Utah. He's ranked number 10 nationally by 24-7 Sports. Jazz Gardner, he's 48th overall. He's a 6'10 center from California. And Brandon Garrison, a 6'9 center from Oklahoma. He's ranked 67 overall. And then they reached out to three others who are not ranked in the top 75 by 247 Sports. One of those is a 6'11 center named Xavier Booker. Another one is a combo guard named Jared McLean. And then three other four-star guards, um, Isaiah Collier, Cannon Carlisle, and Kylan Boswell. So all of those names and a lot, a lot, a lot of guards being contacted by Gonzaga, which makes a lot of sense because uh, I think there's a lot of guards on this roster currently that are going to play this year and next year, and then the majority of them will be gone after that. So Nemhard will be gone, Salas will be gone, Hickman probably is gone. Uh, he may still be there. Harris will probably be gone. Um, so there's going to be a, a huge loss at the guard position in two seasons, which is why it makes sense that the 2023 class is going to be extremely guard heavy. Of course, we will keep you posted on 2022 and 2023 recruiting as the offseason goes on. If Gonzaga uh, has a chance to watch some of these guys in person and anything comes out in the news. All right, coming up, let's talk some Gonzaga baseball. They are coming off a historic season where they received their best seed in school history in the NCAA tournament. So the question now is how do they build on that? We're going to break it down coming up in just a minute. But first, today's episode is being sponsored by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Anybody who's listened to this podcast over the last month knows that Gonzaga baseball was basically one win away from hosting a regional for the first time in school history. Instead, they got the two seed in the Eugene Regional, and that two seed is still the highest ranking in the NCAA tournament in program history. Unfortunately, as we've talked about, the injury to number two starter Gabriel Hughes proved to be too much because they didn't have another reliable starter in the tournament behind Alec Jacobs. So the question is, now that they're in the offseason, is where does Gonzaga go from here? Because they've made the tournament in three of the last five seasons that the tournament's been held. So clearly coach Mark Maktoff is building something meaningful in Spokane. So let's go through the roster and kind of see what could be in store for next year. 
there were a plethora of players who used their extra year of eligibility. So there was a ton, a ton of juniors technically on this roster. And if they all really wanted to come back next season for a fifth year of eligibility, they absolutely could. I don't anticipate all of them will. The two biggest question marks, maybe three biggest question marks, are their best pitcher and their best hitter. And of course, that's Alec Jacob and that's Brett Harris. Alec Jacob is ready to be drafted right now. I don't see the need for him to come back for another year in college. Brett Harris, I would imagine, is the same way. Both of those guys have graduated. Brett Harris hit 355 this year. He was the WCC Defensive Player of the Year. Arguably could have been the defensive or the uh, WCC Player of the Year straight up, but they gave that to a kid from San Diego. Alec Jacob was the WCC Pitcher of the Year. Uh, he finished 8-1 uh, and one on the year. Struck out 112 batters and walked just 18 and 85 innings, which is ridiculous. So I'm going to work under the assumption that both of those guys are going to be gone from the program next year. The only other question in my mind would be Ernie Yake. He was Gonzaga's leadoff man this year. He hit 333. So I'm going to assume that he actually returns. Like I said, it's probably more 50-50. The only two guys that are for sure gone are Andrew Orzel and Guthrie Morrison, the two seniors in their starting nine. Um, they're going to get Steven Lund back uh, next year. He was their starting catcher for most of the season. He hit 300 and he actually led the team in home runs despite missing the final 20-something games of the year. Um, so they're going to get him back, which is huge. He broke his leg sliding into second against uh, Washington State back in April. Tyler Stone probably going to take a larger role next season uh, at first base. So I don't think the offense is going to take a huge step back. And it rarely ever does under Mark Maktoff. He's always been a fantastic hitting coach. Um, so let's kind of move over to the pitching side of things. I'm Like I said, I'm going to assume that Alec Jacob is gone. Gabriel Hughes should be back for one more season before he goes off to the MLB draft. With him, they've got an ace, which is awesome. And then they're going to need one of these guys to step up and be, you know, the Saturday and Sunday starters for next season. They've got a lot of really, really good young arms. There's nobody who uh, pitched this year that was a senior that is going to be gone. So everybody's going to have a chance to do something next season. Alec Gomez, uh, he pitched a lot down the stretch of the season as a starter. William Kempner was a freshman this season. He ended up starting nine games this year. Nico Zeglin was their Tuesday starter a lot of the season before he got hit with a line drive and ended his season uh, back in early May. So he's going to have a chance. And then they've got a lot of really good bullpen arms who could end up being stretched out to starters. Tristan Vreeling, I think, is one of those options. He was probably their most reliable bullpen arm this year. Um, he had 21 appearances, 47 innings, a 3.83 ERA. You saw what he did in the NCAA tournament. He pitched a, a, a career-high seven innings against Oregon in relief and kind of stabilized that game for Gonzaga. Brody Jesse, also an electric arm out of the bullpen. I think he's more of a closer than he is uh, more than likely. He probably won't be extended out to be a starter. Uh, but Michael Spellacy, I think, can be a starter. Tristan Vreeling can be a starter. Bradley Mullen can be a starter. Uh, and like I said, Nico Zeglin plus William Kempner and Alec Gomez. So they've got six or seven guys uh, that are going to be fighting for probably two or three um, starting pitcher roles. And then the rest can kind of come out of the bullpen. But there is a lot, a lot, a lot of continuity um, on this roster going into next season. The biggest question, like I said, are going to be a couple of those hitters and then Brett Harris and Alec Jacob. A lot of the juniors have already played four years 
Um, a lot of them have already graduated school, so it's kind of going to be up to them uh, to decide whether or not they want to come back for a fifth year of eligibility, essentially. So I, I don't know if Gonzaga is going to be good enough to get another you know top two seed in the NCAA tournament like they were this year, but they are absolutely going to be at the top of the WCC again next year and should make the NCAA tournament. I don't know, obviously, San Diego and Pepperdine, the typical WCC powers in baseball, what their rosters look like. But Gonzaga has been preseason top three for several years now, and I can't imagine that changes heading into next year, especially if uh, Gabriel Hughes is their ace starter. All right, coming up to finish the show, we're going back to basketball, and we are going to reveal the third-ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. And this class will always hold a very special place in my heart, and it has what I believe to be the most underrated player in terms of big-picture impact in Gonzaga history. Before we get to that, a minute to talk about Built Bar, best-tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. If you aren't sure which flavor you want to try, you can get a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only does Built Bar taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health-conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Like I've said many times, salted caramel, by far my favorite flavor. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode also being brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and the NBA and NHL are in the midst of the playoffs. It's the perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online, your laptop or mobile device, to check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to a championship. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. As always, a quick recap for those that are new or forgot what we're doing. Over the last six weeks or so, we've been counting down the worst recruiting class to the best recruiting class of the Mark Fuera. These rankings do include transfers. Those transfers count from the year they entered the program, and the most notable walk-ons are also included. These are my own personal rankings, and I've had some debate on a few of them throughout the last few weeks, which has been awesome, but they're a combination of talent, success, and what I think they mean to the program as a whole. And we are down to the final three, the top three recruited classes of the Mark Few era, the true cream of the crop. As a reminder, the top five consists of the number five class, which is 2017, which is the Brandon Clark, Joel Yai, Corey Kispert class. And then yesterday, we revealed the number four ranked uh, recruiting class of the Mark Fiera, and that's the class of 2009, highlighted by Kelly Olinick, Elias Harris, Sam Dower, David Stockton. So today, the third ranked class of the Mark Fiera, let's get to it. The number three class is the class of 2011. The class of 2011, which is the class that I think helps save Gonzaga from getting stuck in neutral for, you know, seemingly forever. And it consists of Kevin Pangos, Gary Bell Jr., Kyle Dranginis, Ryan Spangler, Guy Landry Eddy, and Chris Sarbaugh. 
As always, we go from back to first, and let's start with Chris Sarbaugh. Chris Sarbaugh came from Gonzaga Prep. He redshirted his first season on campus because of a knee injury, and then he never played a game for Gonzaga. Uh, He immediately transferred to San Diego, where he played two seasons, and then he went to Idaho for his final season of college, where he actually started all 34 games for Idaho and was a legitimate role player for them, averaged 25 minutes, 5.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, Never became anything at Gonzaga because of his knee injury, and he kind of realized that he would be fighting for playing time behind a bunch of really, really good guards, so he ended up leaving the program. Uh, I spent a summer living with Chris Sarbaugh when I was in college, and that was a very interesting experience, Uh, but not a huge impact on Gonzaga whatsoever in terms of basketball. I feel like everybody, either as a Gonzaga fan or as a sports fan, has that one player that they always loved more than anybody else because they always thought that he was going to be incredible. Guy Landrietti was that guy for me. I had a huge soft spot for Guy Landrietti. I thought he was going to be the best player on the team in the 2011-2012 season. Uh, He came in as a community college transfer and played two years at Gonzaga. And he started majority of the first month and a half or so of that 2011-12 season and I thought he did some just unbelievable stuff he was kind of a a slashing wing couldn't shoot the ball from deep really at all Um, but I thought his athleticism and his ability to slash and get to the rim was something that Gonzaga hadn't seen from the wing position in a little while and so I was a huge just enormous fan I mean you go back to my tweets from like 2011-2012 and you'll never find a bigger Guy Landry Eddie fan than me um, I haven't gone back and watched those games since, so I don't know if uh, he was um, much worse than what I expected him to be, uh, but he didn't have the bigger, biggest impact uh, in terms of uh, box scores. So he averaged 17 minutes his, I guess, junior, technically junior season, averaged five and a half points, two and a half rebounds, and an assist his first year at Gonzaga, and then he kind of fell out of favor a little bit his in the 2013 season. Uh, when Gonzaga was the number one team in the country. But that team also went basically 10 deep the majority of that season. So there weren't a whole lot of players that averaged more than you know 20 or 25 minutes. Probably wasn't as good as I remembered him being, but boy, did I love him at the time. And I think we all have uh, one of those players where we thought that they were much better than they were. Um, but at the time that they were playing, you wanted to see more and more of them. Gila Andrietti was that guy for me. Another guy who we probably all wish we could have seen a little bit more of in a Gonzaga uniform was Ryan Spangler. Gonzaga stole Spangler from Oklahoma, and he was the Gatorade Oklahoma Player of the Year. He was a fantastic football and basketball player, averaged nearly 30 points a game as a senior uh, in Oklahoma. And after one season at Gonzaga where he was kind of a backup big, he realized that he wanted to go back home to Oklahoma. And so he did, and he carved out quite the three-year career at Oklahoma where he averaged double figures over those three seasons. His senior season, he was named third-team All-Big 12 after average, uh, averaging 10.5 points and nine rebounds. Really, really good player. And he's one of the few players that uh, transferred out of Gonzaga and became a much better player at a large university uh, that basically never happens with Gonzaga players. I think Ryan Spangler is probably the most successful one. Grant Gibbs is up there. I'm sure I'm thinking uh, I'm missing guys right off the top of my head. Uh, But Ryan Spangler is probably one of the more uh, impactful transfer outs that Gonzaga has seen. Um, And it's unfortunate that he didn't want to stay, but I understand why he wanted to go back home, back to Oklahoma. 
So now we get to the big three of this recruiting class, and that's Kyle Dranginis, Gary Bell, and Kevin Pangos. Kyle Dranginis redshirted his first year on campus, and then he immediately became a huge, huge impact role player in his final four years, and he was a starter for the majority of his senior season in 2016. Kyle Dranginis always seemed to be in the right place, making the right play, and making a big shot at the big time. So his box score numbers never really stood out um, for the most part. You know, he'll get somewhere between four and ten points, somewhere right around five rebounds and a couple of assists. Um, But I swear to God, he was always in the right place at the right time making big shots. Um, His senior year, he ended up averaging six and a half points, four and a half rebounds and three assists. Like that seems like the epitome of Kyle Dranginis. And it's hard to uh, describe his impact um, unless you watched his final three seasons at Gonzaga um, because he always, like I said, um, was doing big things in big moments. He was a huge part of that 2016 team that barely made the NCAA tournament, had to win the uh, WCC championship in order to get there. Uh, In that conference tournament championship, he played all 40 minutes for Gonzaga, scored 13 points in that game. In the uh, the prior game against BYU, he had seven points, seven rebounds, three assists. Like those were the stat lines he was putting up uh, on a nightly basis. And that season, um, the rotation was so small that Kyle Dranginis was basically playing 35 to 40 minutes every single game, um, and he rarely turned the ball over. He was doing the right things at at every point. After graduating from Gonzaga. Uh, Dranginis ended up having a four-year... He, he spent the last three years playing in Germany, and he's basically been doing the exact same thing that he did at Gonzaga. His most recent season in Germany, um, he averaged eight points, three rebounds, and three assists. So just a, a really steady, good basketball player that does not make many mistakes. Gary Bell Jr., he came in. Uh, he was named Mr. Basketball in the state of Washington. Uh, he's from Kent, Washington, went to Kent Ridge High School, and he was the best player defensively that Gonzaga had throughout that uh, you know 2011 to 2015 run. Um, Gary Bell was immediately a starter, basically as soon as he stepped foot on campus. So was Kevin Pangos. He averaged 10.5 points as a freshman and was named to the WCC All-Freshman Team. Uh, he ended up starting 124 games at Gonzaga. And the, the impact that he had defensively was seen as soon as he left the court. Like Gonzaga was a completely different team um, when he was off the court. And you can tell that just if you watch that Wichita, uh, Wichita State game, um, the, the impact that he had defensively for this team. I know a lot of the time Gonzaga fans wished he would be a little bit more aggressive and look for his shot more. He was a great three-point shooter. He shot 41% for his career. Um, and especially in that senior season, his scoring went down a little bit. Part of that, too, is because Kyle Wilcher, DeMontis Sabonis, Shema Karnowski, they were all on that team. But from a guard perspective, uh, I think a lot of fans wish that Gary Bell Jr. would hunt his shot a little bit more. But he was still a very efficient player and a very, very good defender. And that's where he made the biggest impact. Like I said, he was on the all-freshman team in 2012. He was an honorable mention in 2013. He was the defensive player of the year in 2015 and also WCC second team in 2015. After his um, uh, tenure at Gonzaga, he had a five-year uh, overseas career, and now he is back at Gonzaga, where he is. Uh, he spent the last um, couple seasons as a graduate assistant. I believe his time as graduate assistant is up, and he's probably going to be moving on to something else within the Gonzaga program, but we're waiting to see uh, exactly what that's going to be. Now we get to Kevin Pangos. 
Kevin Pango stepped foot onto campus and started pretty much immediately and made the biggest impact immediately that any Gonzaga player has pretty much ever done, maybe with the exception of Jalen Suggs. His first start ever was at home against Washington State. He had 33 points. He had nine threes, which was a school record. He shot 42% from deep in his career. He's nobody in Gonzaga history has hit more threes than Kevin Pangos. Of course, since graduating Gonzaga, Kevin Pangos has been one of the best guards in Europe, especially over the last two to three seasons now. And now that he's a free agent, he's essentially getting big money offers from most European clubs. Um, And I think he's thinking about signing um, with a European team that has an out that allows him to go to the NBA if the NBA wants to sign him in this uh, this coming offseason. But this past year um, in Russia, he averaged 12.5 points and 6.5 assists and led his team to the number one seed in the uh, the VTB League. So uh, a fantastic European career, and hopefully Kevin Pangos gets the chance to play in the NBA. He was a double-figure scorer. All four years, but the bigger impact for me, for Kevin Pangos, is the impact that he had on Mark Few's coaching style. And I mean both on the court and off the court, because on the court, when this group came in with Gary Bell and Kevin Pangos, they started going from a motion offense to their ball screen continuity, ball screen heavy stuff. Like this was that era with these two guards that transitioned Gonzaga into kind of the offense that they run now. The other stuff off the court, and you can listen to Mark Few talk about this on Adam Morrison's podcast, is Kevin Pangos was hugely influential in terms of team chemistry building. He's the one who came up with a lot of the team chemistry building ideas that are now implemented in the program. Kevin Pangos was one of the biggest reasons why Shemek Karnowski ended up coming to campus. Uh, He was one of the best teammates that pretty much everybody played with him uh, ever said they enjoyed playing with. There's so many things that he did off the court um, that I think go unnoticed. And I think he helped loosen up Mark Few a little bit as a head coach. If you listen to him talk to Adam Morrison, you kind of get that sense that he had just a huge impact um, on Mark Few's career and kind of the trajectory changed for this program once he entered uh, back in 2011. So I, I also think that I have a huge bias because this is the the class that I went to school with. Uh, I entered Gonzaga back in 2011, so I watched all these guys. But I, I just think that this group of players helped save Gonzaga from being stuck in neutral. Like they were part of the transition from solid mid-major team into the beginning of a powerhouse. And I, I really do think that Pangos and Bell are two of the more important players in Mark Few's career because they struggled to get out of that first weekend forever. And including that 2013 squad that were that was number one in the country. But that 2015 team, when Gary Bell and Kevin Pangos were seniors, they finally broke through back to that Elite Eight for the first time since 1999. And honestly, they were probably one missed layup away from Kyle Wilcher from you know battling Duke right down to the wire in that Elite Eight game. So th- this group basically laid the groundwork for the next generation of stars that have helped catapult Gonzaga into basically blue blood status. If Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell turned out to be busts, like Gonzaga would never be where they're at right now. It was this transition with these two players, Andrean Guinness being their you know third sidekick essentially, they helped elevate the program to basically what it has become now. I think these are the two most underrated 
and perhaps the two most important players of the last 15 years to come through Gonzaga after Adam Morrison left. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. We're going to be back on Friday for another Five Star Friday, of course, and we're going to have a surprise guest. The number one and the number two ranked recruiting classes will not be revealed Friday. They're going to wait until next Monday and next Wednesday. Don't forget to tune in to the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today, obviously, there is no bigger story in sports. They're talking about Kevin Durant because he was unbelievable in Game 5 against Milwaukee last night. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags. If you want to email the show with your story or any questions or ideas you have for me to talk about, please feel free to do so. The email is LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you back here on Friday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.